Jumping into our chat, it's important to note that just a few weeks before launching this episode, our guest, Jackie Benson, took a stand. Jackie publicly turned down an invitation to play the perennial event, Blues on the Green, which is hosted by Austin City Limits Radio. She was slated to play with pop rock artist Bob Schneider and Americana Swamp Funkster, Shiny Ribs. Her decision came on the heels of her Facebook post referencing Black Lives Matter as it pertains to the Austin music scene. She wrote, I hope you still believe Black Lives Matter when you're choosing your lineups for the major Austin concert events and festivals, when you're picking out music and songs for your radio shows, when you're doing artist spotlights. In the past five years, Blues on the Green booked only seven Black artists out of the 40 acts who have played the series. Benson's willingness to risk this career opportunity resulted in ACL Radio handing the reins over to Jackie as the event curator for the July 8th, 2020 concert. The concert will also be aired on Fox 7 Austin. Thank you to Jackie Benson and all the women out there who stand up for equal opportunity in the music business. We support you. Now, let's get started with the chat. 
It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Bea Wood. Welcome to Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. And today we're coming at you from Antone's, Austin, home of the blues. It's the perfect setting for my next guest, who is not only a native Austinite, but also the daughter of Austin blues artist, Andrew Benson. A classically trained pianist who didn't pick up a guitar until she was already a student at the Berklee College of Music, she now has four albums and three EPs filled with the funky beats, raging guitar solos, and well pure joy. I'm excited to introduce a woman who is redefining what it is to be a rock and blues musician. Please welcome guitarist, singer, songwriter, DJ, sampling artist, Jackie Vinson. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you today? Pretty good. It's a really nice weather day. It's been cold here for a while, so glad it's finally warm again. I know. It's getting to be real pretty. And, and we're at Antone's and there's a background sound check happening. Yeah. But you know what? We're going to plow through this interview anyway. I mean, it is called Backstage Chats. Exactly. We're going with the theme here. And for audiences, just to let them know, the first time I met Jackie was in Ferndale outside of Detroit, Michigan at Otis Supply where she was playing, which is kind of ironic since we both live in Austin and we had to travel so far before we met each other. I had a great time there and I do have a little confession for you. Okay, tell me. I took one of the promotional posters for the event. Oh, nice. Good. Why didn't you have me sign it? Well, I think we were on our way out when I did that and it was getting kind of late. Just swiped it. I swiped it. So (laughs) if you want it back, I can give it back, but I'd love to get it signed. Yes, I'd be down to sign it. Okay, we'll do that next time I meet you. I'll bring it with me. Sweet. (laughs) Well, with all of our guests, we start off with what we call the shakedown, which is a short answer set of questions that just help our audience get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, let's get started. Who was your first concert? Backstreet Boys when I was like eight. And who's your favorite Backstreet Boy? Uh, My favorite Backstreet Boy at that time was Nick Carter. And now? And now, uh, I, think, I think it was always Brian. It was always Brian. Yeah. Switching sides there. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> which was the first album that you bought with your own money? Uh, Evita, the Evita movie soundtrack. What inspired that? I really loved the music in the movie, <laughs> so I wanted to have the CD. And uh, I think I'd gotten $20 for Christmas. So I, uh, you know, hooked it up. Gift to self. Let's treat yourself. All right. Next question. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? Well, I'm in, I go through uh, waves and and I go through periods of time where I listen to other people all the time. Like I'll put on a Spotify thing and I'll just like listen or like I'll listen to someone's album over and over again, like on repeat. Or sometimes I'm trying to think of stuff and I'm trying to pull stuff out of myself. And so then I only listen to my own song ideas. Like I don't listen to my finished music. I listened to like the cell phone recordings of stuff that I had been working on, you know, in the rehearsal space that night, or maybe like a rough bounce from the studio or like a mix that doesn't have any lyrics or or melodies on it yet. Just like really rough demo stuff that like nobody ever hears. (laughs) The beginnings of a song. Yeah, but like a whole playlist of like, like three hours worth of just like 
15-second ideas, three-minute demos, 10-minute guitar jam solos. It's just like a playlist of just, like, complete madness. Okay, so that's the first time we've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that that is where you are right now. I mean, obviously, yeah. heavy creative mode. Yeah, for, for right now, that's what I'm doing. But uh, I'm going to get tired of doing that because humans are humans and we get tired of things. And then I'm going to go back to listening to other people. And I'll probably, I found Pandora again. And I'll probably go back to my old Lauren Hill, Gorillaz, Bob Marley, Stevie Wonder playlist. And like set like an infinite amount of music in between those four people. Next question. Which woman has had the most influence on your career? Definitely my mom. <laughs> yeah. I know that's probably what everybody says. A but, lot. Yeah. But definitely my mom. She's really, really a very accomplished doctor and also um, was one of the people who started Austin Regional Clinic. So, really? Um, yeah, if you see a doctor in Austin Regional Clinic, like, that's that's her jam, man. Oh, my gosh. Probably, I, I go there. She probably hired that doctor. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, um, and she also had you, kind of pushed you into playing piano when you were young, right? Well, she married my dad, first of all, who is a full-time musician. So that's the first thing she did to start this whole chain of events that is me. And then she was always a fan of music, obviously, since she married my dad. They met at a gig. Yeah. He was, like, he was hitting on her sister, right? And then she came back from the bathroom and he was like, oh, wrong one. <laughs> no offense, aunt. No offense, aunt. No. We love you, auntie. We love you, auntie. But that's how he tells the story. He was like, I was sitting on her sister and then she came back and I was like, damn. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. My aunt is very beautiful. But I'm just saying, like, that's, this, that's the connection you, was there. The connection. Was yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both beautiful women, but uh he just felt more connected to my mom. He just didn't know she was there because she was, when he noticed the table in the first place, she was in the bathroom. A great story. <laughs> uh, but next question. Um, yeah. Damn. Um, if you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? Um, probably Madonna. Yeah, I love Madonna. <laughs> like, I would have to prepare for that dinner. I would have to know what was happening. I don't think I would have to work on being normal around her. I know. But yes. Do you think it would be kind of intimidating? No, I would just have to psychologically prepare myself to see somebody that I have seen my whole life but never met. Right. That's weird. That's weird for everybody. Yeah. It's probably weird for them too. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Imagine being her and being like, this chick is like, she really thinks she knows me. And I understand because I'm also a human who's fans of people. So, like, even celebrities are fans of other people, too. They understand. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just, it's weird for everybody, right? So I'd have to psychologically prepare myself for that dinner. And then, I don't know, I would just, I'd probably only have, like, three questions that I would ask her. And then the rest, I would just let it be normal. Just, like, talk about what we did that day. Right. But there, there would be, like, a hit list of three questions that I would definitely want to ask her. And then the rest, dinner talk. Yeah, the rest is I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable. Right. I want her to just feel like a person. I want people to feel like people around me. I don't want people to feel like they're like some kind of science experiment. All right, Madonna, are you listening? Yeah. Uh, we're ready for dinner reservations. Madonna, Madonna, I'm telling you, I'll be cool. I promise. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next question. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? That's a really hard question for me because I've had these like spiritual revelations over the last few years that were brought on by really low, dark times. And so I can't get attached to goals because what happens when you get attached to goals is you have 
the flip side of it. There's a yin and a yang to everything. So the, the I guess, I, let's just say yang is the dark side for this. I don't really know which one it is. So let's say the yin is, you know, I want a Grammy award, right? But then the yang is, I might not ever get a Grammy award. So, and we don't want to tie our self-value to some of those goals. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and Because honestly, I'm getting to do what I love for a living, and I'm getting to do it full-time. And to lose sight of that would just be so selfish, you know, because there are people that want to do that and that can't do that and that will never be able to do that. And uh, for me to just take for granted everything that I can do right now just because I don't have this one thing that I think I need you know, that, that's the yang. Right. I don't want to deal with that. Right. So I have been working really hard for the last two, three years to just want to do what I'm doing every day. And that's what I want. It's like, what's your goal? I'm like, I'm literally currently achieving my goal. I'm doing what I want today. Right. Including, aren't you getting a mattress today? I'm getting a king size bed and I am super zen about it. There's no yang to that. There's no yang to a king size bed. There's only yin. It's all good. It's all yin. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? And I think that's a very thoughtful approach to where you are and what you're able to do. And like you said, a lot of people are not able to do what they want to every day. And so that's not just certainly a great place to be no matter what. Well, that's only one piece of it. There's a lot of people that don't get to do what they want for a living. But then there's also a lot of people that don't know how to play the guitar that wish they could play the guitar. But then there's also a lot of people that wish that they were brave enough to get up in front of people and show the talent that they have. But then there are also, like, there's so many things about what I do that are so amazing that focusing on what I don't have just flips a huge middle finger to all of those things. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't want to do that. That's not how you achieve peace. Very zen. Yeah. Yes. Let's be zen. Um, now, when people ask me to describe Jackie Vincent's music, I say... She's the love child of Prince, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Sade. That's awesome. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of a wide net of sound. So I'm curious, which artists did you listen to growing up, and how did they influence you going forward? I didn't really listen to any of those artists growing up, so that's the funny thing. I am so off. No, you're not, actually, if you think about it. So I, I genre hop all the time. So sometimes I play rock and blues, so that's Stevie Ray Vaughan. And then sometimes I play, like, smooth, groovy R&B, and that's Sade. And also the sound of my voice. I actually can imitate her perfectly if I try. I hear it. And um, then sometimes I get really funky and groovy and, like, poppy, and then the, the lines are really catchy and hooky, and they get stuck in your head. That's Prince. I'm telling you. That's exactly, like, you nailed it. That's why you got those three things, because I, I hop between those three genres. Do you know what I mean? You do. Um, and also a little bit of reggae I hear in there. Oh, yes, yes. you got to throw a little bit of, like, it's like a Ziggy Marley reggae. It's not Bob Marley reggae. Bob Marley reggae is like the first, it's like the pioneer reggae. You know, like that's the first reggae. Right. And then Ziggy Marley reggae is the reggae after we've heard rock and electronic music and pop. Like he's the, he's what the reggae kind of was influenced into, you know? Right. So I think I'm more like Ziggy Marley than Bob Marley if we're going to do a Bar- Marley comparison. I'm definitely not like Damian Marley because I don't know how to rap. I wish I did. I don't. <laughs> Rapping's a tough gig. It's really hard. And the hardest thing about it is that there is like a whole like generation of people on the planet that thinks it's, it's total BS and that it takes no skill. And that's the hardest thing about it. It takes real skill. I'm like, oh, you think it's stupid and easy? Do it right now. 
It's no like, way. It's called freestyling. Do it right now. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> like, it's hard. It's sink hard. or swim, I would sink. Everybody would because it's hard. It would be like putting someone in front of a piano and telling them to play it if they don't know how to play it. So anyways, uh, I digress. But I think those are all good points. My, my real influences growing up were uh, Broadway, Disney, and like Motown. Broadway, Disney, and Motown. Who was your big Motown fave? Aretha Franklin and Marvin Gaye. Moving forward into where you are now with your music, actually 2019 has been a really big year for you. One of the accomplishments, and there are many, coming out with a new album, Joy, and then also being, or should I say winning, Best Guitarist for the Austin Music Awards. And you are the first African-American woman in 37 years to get that honor. And I just have to ask, what does that mean for you? And what do you think it shows of the music industry either changing or not changing with regard to inclusivity? Well, I can't compare the Austin Music Awards. I can't like talk about the Austin Music Awards and the larger music industry in the same sentence. They're not connected. You can maybe in Los Angeles or Nashville, but the Austin music industry is not representative of the larger music industry. So that's the first thing I want to say. And then the second thing I want to say is Austin's not ever really been the most diverse town. Maybe, uh, maybe one day that'll be different. And I'm not like trying to, you know, throw shade on anybody. It's like, I'm talking numbers here. Just look at the percentages of the population. Look at how the pie is split up. It's always been like that. Well, and when I moved here in 1998, I remember getting settled in and looking around and saying, um, where are all the black people? Yeah. yeah, here's the worst thing about that. The percentage of African-Americans in Austin has gone down since you asked that question. No I, kidding. It was at like 17% or something, and now it's at like 6 All right. See, I didn't even know that. It's gone down in 10 years. It's gone down 10% in 10 years, and, and it keeps going down. It doesn't get better. It might have gotten better just this year, but when I checked last year, it hadn't gotten better. Right. That's just what's going on in this town. I don't know why. I don't know why. There's a lot of people who have all, the- all these theories on why. I think the strongest theory is that African-American culture doesn't seem to be supported in the town. There's not a lot of, like, to put it frankly, black music on the radio stations. You don't hear gospel. Like, go to Dallas and check out their radio stations. There's, like, eight black radio stations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the- also the festivals that are here, they're not, like, urban music festivals, it's always folk music festivals. It's like, Americana. I think Americana, rock, blues, you know, all stuff that is relatively diverse, I guess, but not really. And uh, there's not a lot of R&B or rap or hip hop support here. It's gotten better because of people like Writers Against the Storm, you know, and like um, the original, just all the OGs in this town. People like MC Overlord and people like Writers Against the Storm they are the reason, and, and so many in between, there's so many. MC Overlord was one of the OGs in Austin a while back. He passed away recently, so RIP. But what I'm saying is they are the reason why there's some hip-hop here. But you should go check out the hip-hop scene in, in Houston or Atlanta or, like, any town or New York, any town where there's more than 5%, you know, African-Americans here. So I think the best theory as to why not only are there not a lot of African-Americans here, but furthermore, they're leaving is because the culture is not supported. Everything else, you can reason away. It's like, oh, well, it's too expensive. And, you know, African-Americans historically are not in the higher socioeconomic classes. I'm like, there's a crap load of black people in New York City, and New York City is way, way more expensive. There's a crap load of black people in L.A. It's like, no, every other reason that... Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. It's like every other reason that people throw out as, as to why 
black people aren't in Austin, you can reason away with an example of another city. It's the culture. And the reason why people don't want to accept it is because it's a really hard problem to fix. Now, what do you think about not just Austin, but other cities and their support of women in music in general? It's, uh, it's really, really hard to keep track of when I'm out there. I see, I personally see a lot of women doing music these days. And also a lot of women in the past have done music. But it's also like really obvious who gets supported historically and who doesn't. And it's really obvious and it's really apparent and there's a ton of evidence to support it. And it's like, how is it possible that we have so many incredible women like all throughout history and music, but also so apparently like presently little support for women trying to break into music? It's like, why haven't women proven that they have so much to bring to the table in not just every way, but specifically in music? I don't know. I really don't know. I think uh, I think it's just a lot of fear. It's just a lot of fear. And I think there's this, as boyfriend, when I interviewed her, she said there's this myth of scarcity that we all buy into, that there's not enough. And really, there is enough room for everybody. Yeah, there's totally enough room for everybody because everybody loves music and nobody wants to go to a festival and just see one band. You know, like there's, there's a ton of space for everybody all the time. It's just, um, I don't know. I guess humans are naturally competitive animals, yes. creatures. So maybe we even find a way to put competition in art, even though it doesn't even have a place at the table. It doesn't. it doesn't have a place at the table with art. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to the show. We'd like to thank our Shoppers Club partner for supporting Horizon Music Foundation and the Backstage Chats with Women in Music podcast. Shoppers Club preferred members have access to over 500 eco-friendly health household, and beauty products delivered straight to their door. More information is available at greenrushaustin.com. Again, that is greenrushaustin.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back with Jackie Benson at Antone's Nightclub in Austin, Texas. And if y'all couldn't tell, uh, we have a sound check happening in the background. But you know what? We're going to just plow through anyway, aren't we, Jackie? Like I said, it's backstage chats. Where do you think we are? Where do you think we are? <laughs> well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the business side of music because you are very vocal about it. And recently, E! News reported Taylor Swift saying, and I'm going to quote, I don't think people understand how easy it is to infer that someone who's a female artist or a female in our industry is somehow doing something wrong by wanting love, wanting money, and wanting success. End of quote. You're vocal about defining your success. Do you feel that that same kind of pushback that Taylor is talking about? Uh, No, because I don't put up with it. Um, If they're not going to pay me, then I'm not going to show up. And if They are going to try and play some games. I always know the signs of somebody trying to play some games, and I usually just tell them to shove off. (laughs) And was there a time when you really were like, ooh, burned, and I learned my lesson on that one? It was was actually a, a woman who works for this, like, corporation talent buying company. So corporations throw parties. They have budgets for parties, but they don't, like... They usually put a volunteer, like, okay, you plan the company party this year, you know? Like, and someone's like, where do I even start with music? Like, where do I even start with bands? Like, oh, my God. So these companies find bands for corporate parties, right? So she's like a corporate talent buyer, and she told me my numbers were too low. And she was like, look, I've been talent buying for these corporations for, like, years, and I used to talent buy for a club. I'm going to tell you this. 
for clubs, always go for a guarantee versus. Never just go for a door deal or never just go for a guarantee. Always go for a guarantee versus. like and get it in writing. Yes, you eat, of course, everything. <laughs> it's like you either give me $500 or if um, 80% of the door ends up being more than $500, then you give me that more. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? But no matter what, I'm walking out of there with $500. You know, that's kind of a low number depending on the gig, but you know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people, though, are afraid to really talk about money when it comes to all this because it's music and it's art, but they forget. This is how people are making their living. Well, it depends on the gig. You know, for a town that you've never been to, it's a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. You don't even know if anyone's going to show up. If they're giving you $500, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for them. Six people might show up. How are they going to make that $500 back? Unless they're drinking an awful lot. I know, right? Those six people might be alcoholics, you know? (laughs) Unfortunately, the bars hope for that. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) But, like, what I'm saying is, like, it depends. But if it's Apple and they're throwing their yearly company Christmas party and they offer you $500, you tell them to shove off. It's like, no, you give me $15,000 because you're Apple and I know for a fact that your budget for this party is 75 grand. Right. I know for a fact. And I know how much I know how much catering costs. I know you didn't have to pay for the building because it's happening in your building. You know, I know all about what's going on with you. And actually their company Christmas party is probably a $150,000 budget honestly because that's like $150 to them. Right? So Apple calls me up. Yeah, no. You can take your $500 which is like 50 cents to you and you can shove it up your own butt. There you go. And those are words of wisdom from Jackie Benson. You can add, and you can add fourteen thousand five hundred dollars to that number, and then I'll show up and I'll put on a great show. Well, and finances have influenced your performance and decisions, especially when it comes to touring. And some of those are like pre-recording or sampling your instrumentation, or maybe thinking about, do I use a band member or do I have lighting for my stage and making all of these tough decisions? Quite frankly, you know, when somebody sees somebody playing rock and blues, they think a full band. And then you come up and you may only have two of you or three of you on stage or one with you on the machine. Highly unorthodox for the rock and blues genre. Do you think that this strategy and technologies are ushering in a new era that brings opportunities for artists? Actually, yes and no. Yes, because we've already had the technology for a while, so people have already used it. There's like whole people who have built entire careers on a loop pedal. Like all they do is just loop stuff and jam over it. And they've made like a whole fan base cult following over that. And looper pedals have been around for like 20 years, 15 years, maybe, maybe 10. I don't know. They haven't been out. They've been around for a while, you know, like at least 10 years. And the sampling machines like MPCs have been around since like the 80s. And like sometimes in the 80s, like those rappers would show up in New York with an MPC and a microphone. And that was the show. Just like me. I show up with like this Pioneer to Rise thing in my guitar and that's the show. So we've already kind of seen, and also DJs are like stars now. Right. So they're like, there's like 20,000 people and it's like one guy and the stage could fit a 15-piece band. But it's like this one guy at a table and he's like, wicka, 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 wicka. and he's like doing his thing and everyone's like, ah. and it's like even louder than a band could be because it's all direct instead right. of like microphones and all that weird stuff. But purists will say, oh, there's no place for that in rock and blues. Well, that's stupid. So, and they're stupid. So. <laughs> There's a place, it's art. It's art. It's like you want it to just stay like this. Like, why don't we just put you in a time machine and we'll send you back to 1915 
and then you can be in heaven because like the world's, they probably don't like it when the world changes. They probably don't like it when the seasons change. They probably don't like it when they change. They probably don't like change at all. So they're stupid. So. Well, and I also think that there is a lack of understanding of how much work and research and talent and craftsmanship goes into a lot of this. And so yeah. without seeing the behind the scenes and they just say, oh, well, there's just a button they push and that's it, that, that there's not understanding. Well, that's why I always kind of do like a brief minute and a half kind of display of what the sampler does and how I put all the sounds into it. And also like, yeah, I'm playing with a machine, but the machine's not playing the songs. The machine is triggering recordings of humans playing the parts. So it's like the machine's not playing the guitar. I played the guitar. I recorded that part into the machine, and now the machine is triggering it. So it's like people are like, ugh, I just want bands on stage. I'm like, you're hearing a band. You're hearing me on bass. You're hearing me on guitar. You're hearing me on... Actually, you're hearing what my band would sound like if I could clone myself. That's cool. It's not like it's not like this like music box like MIDI crappy sounding like super not human machine like boop boop beep beep boop boop. It's not that. It's like literally like recordings of Rodney on the drums being triggered. Right. You know what I mean? It's like I'm playing in a band with myself and and Rodney. To give people a little background on Rodney, he is your touring band mate, and yeah. he played with your father, correct? Yes, he did. He's my, he is the band. Whenever I say the band's going to be there, it means Rodney's going to be there. Rodney. And you know, <laughs> when we saw you at Otis, I kept looking over and I said, Rodney's looking over me and smiling. Yeah. And then I realized afterward I was being very egotistical. And why is that? Oh man, yeah, he's totally blind. You got to see this video. You got to see this video of this guy eating ice cream at a restaurant. And he's like looking provocatively at like women who sit at this one specific table. If a woman sits at this one specific table, he looks at them like super provocatively, right? And he like doesn't ever look away and he doesn't ever blink and he doesn't, but he's like looking at them really romantically. And then at the very end of the video, he like puts his sunglasses on, he pulls out his cane and walks away. And, I'll, and the reaction of the women are like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's exactly what you lived. So you need to see that video. Just type in like a blind guy eating ice cream prank or something. It's, I can't remember what it's called. It's so funny. Except playing drums in this case. Yes, he's playing drums. He's smiling at you and like blinking and like winking a little bit. And I thought he's been so sweet. And then, and then he stands up and snaps that cane out. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> it was not me, folks. It was not me. Um, okay, so I also want to talk, being humorous at this point, when I was doing research on you, I looked at your Wikipedia page. Yeah. And of course, the first thing I wanted to do was click on personal life. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what does she have the to say about her personal thing. life? The, the only thing it says is 2016-allergic to weed. Now, I'm wondering, is there a story behind this? She's laughing hysterically, everybody. There's got to be a story behind this. <laughs> I just love how you set it up. You're like, ooh, personal life, sweet. And usually there's like so much. Like if you go to like any other person's Wikipedia page, there's usually so much. Like they were born here and they were and their mom is named this and their dad is named that. And it like they really like this or like, you know, like there was a scandal, whatever. There's always so much and it's just one sentence. Yeah, I'm allergic to weed. You're allergic to and what happens? Um, I sneeze a lot and I break out in hives. Oh, yeah, that's an allergy, yeah. for sure. Yes. So it was 2016 the last time that you had weed? No, definitely not. <laughs> I just take allergy medicine now. Oh, yay. Because <laughs> remember, it's 2019. That's right. You can, you can do that. That's right. You can do that. You uh, can take allergy medicine. 
Oh my God, this is great. Um, I have to Life's say, too short. Do you blame me? Yes. No, I do not. And I have to say the honesty is so awesome. <laughs> uh, we are going to move on to some fan questions really quickly before we wrap up our interview, or should I say our chat. Um, first of all, this one is from Kevin in Austin, and he asks, with no limitations, who would your backing band be? With no limitations, my backing band would be Rodney Hyder on drums, Nick Clark on bass, John Dees on keys. There you go. And then Andre Taylor and Lori Martin on background vocals. All right, so we've got the whole band here. We're ready to go. Uh, Next question is from Courtney, also in Austin. And she wants to know, what are some of your favorite Austin traditions or memories that you have from being a kid? Well, here's the thing about Austin, Texas. Uh, everybody's like, oh, Bart Springs, hi, how are you all? I'm like, no, y'all, Lake Travis, duh. Get on that boat and go water skiing or go tubing or go wakeboarding. And that's really what it really is here, man. Like everybody who's like, oh, my pastime was Bart Springs. I'm like, you probably moved here when you were like 26. Because <laughs> like the real Austin I is like, no, 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 no. Definitely like uh, Lake Travis, Emmalong Park, Lake Austin. Oh, Shades, the restaurant, uh, the oasis out in Lakeway, and just like riding your bikes around the neighborhood. Like, that's it. That's Austin. And then, like, when you finally got the permit to drive, you know, kind of tell your mom you're going over to Maggie's house, but actually, we go to Katz's on 6th Street because it's the only place that'll like let us in. And it's open. All Katz's never closes. Yeah. Well, (laughs) ironically, it did. But, and then, like, maybe try our hand at sneaking into Momo's upstairs. You know okay, and, and just for the audience to know, this when Jackie says we, if she's talking about her siblings, you have nine <laughs> siblings, is that right? Well, I'm talking about my friends from high school, but I do have eight siblings. Eight siblings. Yeah, so old, older siblings. They're all older. They're all older. Okay, and so did you grow up in a house full of people, or were you younger enough to where you didn't feel like you had a huge house full? Super long story short, don't fight me, I fight dirty. Ooh. It's called survival. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I also eat really fast. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, and that, and I've heard that as well from other people who grew yeah. up in big families. So that doesn't come as too much surprise. Well, I would love to thank you for taking the time out on this beautiful Austin day to come to Antone's yep. and visit with us at Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I just want to thank our listeners for being with us today and know that you can go to our show notes, backstagechats.com slash Jackie Benson. And we will have all kinds of music and videos and all kinds of fun stuff for you to check out as even tour dates, links to everything, Jackie. Thank you again so much for coming to see us. No problem. I had a great time. Wonderful. So did we. And ladies and gentlemen, why do we share stories like Jackie's? Because they remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock stars. This is Thea Wood signing out from Anton's in Austin, Texas. It's a wrap. Audio engineering for this episode was provided by Podcast Engineers. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today.